The Game of Zen explores the often overlooked ways in which professional, personal, and spiritual growth are interrelated. We dive deep into the life teachings of the Buddha and the mindfulness practices of Zen, revealing how they can help us dramatically expand our possibilities for wholehearted work, life, and play. Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Game of Zen podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the second noble truth. I'm here with my good friend, Sensei Paul Gyodo Agostinelli. What's up, Paul? Hey, Scott. I'm having a good day. Uh, hope that you are too. Happy to be I here. I am. I'm talking to you, so it's a good day. So today's topic, the second noble truth. In our first uh, episode, we talked about suffering. And today, we're going to really focus on the causes of it. And so can you give us sort of an intro to this noble truth and, and how do we identify? Yeah, so we, we talked last time about how the um, we can look at this form of suffering the Buddha talked about as kind of a in a medical model where the, the first noble truth is the symptoms that we're experiencing, the sense of insufficiency in our lives. You know, some people call it suffering. Um, is what we all experience, you know, qu quite a lot of. Some people call it out of jointness. I really like that definition. So the second noble truth is the diagnosis, right? It's like, okay, well, what is causing that feeling that we're having so persistently? And what the Buddha said is this feeling is caused by what he called attachment. And that's, um, in, in the English translation, it it uh, it's it's kind of too simplistic in a way if we just think think about it uh, as oh well I'm just not supposed to be attached to anything it can actually be taken the wrong way. Um, the Buddha was very precise that attachment um, is about a kind of a activated relationship with things. You could say that the self creates a um, unhealthy or a discordant kind of relationship with things that manifests in one of three ways or more one or more of three ways, craving, aversion, and ignorance. So craving, we hold on to something or we, we pull it towards us. Um, aversion, we push something away. We don't want it. Uh, we develop a hostile relationship with it. Or ignorance is we just turn away from it or we don't see it clearly. And any of these three, usually a cocktail of these three relationships that we have with things. And by things, I mean, you know, in the in the general sense, it could be state conditions, it could be feelings, it could be people, it could be money, it could be actual things, right? Uh, this applies to our relationship to the world. Um, when, when we have these things going on, that's what is creating this persistent feeling of disease or decenteredness. Yeah. And so talk, let's talk a little bit about why this is relevant. And, and I would like to sort of focus on both the business and the personal side, you know, going through, you know, being an entrepreneur, there's, there's a lot of times when craving and aversion come in and ignorance. So how is this relevant to, you know, our daily lives? Yeah, well, it's incredibly relevant to our daily lives and to the, our activities in the world because it's, it's a core recognition of how we're creating this experience, right? It's just so persistent. We can all recognize that this out of jointness we feel is so persistent for all of us. So, I mean, to me, there's nothing more relevant than understanding how I'm creating my own uh, unhappiness mm -hmm. in the world. And 
it's it's more than it's it's actually more than than just unhappiness. I mean, we all want to be happy. We all want to be kind of in 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 um in a centered kind of nourished place, and we want to thrive. But even more than that, our functioning in the world is compromised when we are out of joint in this way. So our relationships go astray. Um, our work in the world, wh whatever our profession may be, is um, perversely kind of motivated when instead of just putting ourselves wholeheartedly into the work we want to do, we end up trying to fight ourselves in a certain way. So I've, I've, I've always said that, you know, Zen boils down to learning how to get out of your own way. <laughs> and, and, and this is just a can be more complicated uh, than it sounds um, until we understand what it is we're doing that we need to uh, learn to stop doing. Yeah. And I also find like, you know, the life of an entrepreneur, you know, we, we, we always experience like cravings for success and wealth and recognition, you know, and then we get attached to projects and outcome and numbers, you know, and uh, profits and things like that. And so, I find that it's almost like a daily thing that that comes up every day. And it's really like, you know, how do we how do we move past that suffering and get back into joint when these things are coming at us all the time? Yeah, exactly. And I um, I found a lot of a lot of um, aid in the perspective when I learned that, you know, the Buddhist teachings had boiled down these the, the diagnosis you know to these three things craving aversion and ignorance is like oh really it's it's one of those you know one or, or more of those three things and i have to say that in 20 years of you know practicing deeply with this every time i find some kind of discord within myself uh, or in my functioning in the world i i say okay what am i holding on to what am mm -hmm. i trying to push away or mm -hmm. what am i missing and, uh, and, and that's the path. I think that's really key. And I think the, the ability to move past uh, the setbacks and the failures is really a, a key part of this because you do hold on, you know, nothing ever goes exactly according to plan. And right. so you have to deal with what comes next. You know, the, the Mike Tyson quote, everybody's got a plan till they get punched in the face, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, in, in the boxing ring. And so I yeah. feel like I feel that way in business sometimes, you know. Right. And, and that's what the world is sort of set up to punch us in the face, you know, over and over, unfortunately. Um, and, and sometimes the the aggressions or the challenges are, you know, less violent than that. But but we we can always, you know, work with uh, everything, you know, that the world that the world faces us with, with equanimity, you know, as long mm -hmm. as we're not holding on to our ideas about the way they're supposed to be. Can you explain more about equanimity in, in business? And, um, you know, because I think that's super important. Uh, there's so many different people and places that you deal with. And I think that's one of the key things for really lowering your, your level of suffering. Yeah. Equanimity is, is the absolute most crucial quality to cultivate in your life and also in your work. Um, there was a study done about nine years ago that asked um, corporate employees, a bunch of, I mean, like 12,000, it was a huge study. What are the qualities that they most want in a leader? And there were about 70 something qualities that kind of made the list of 
core qualities they want to see in the, their leader, but right at the center of all of those, the single most important one was what they termed centeredness. Mm -hmm. Centeredness. And centeredness was at the heart of, at the basis, I should say, of all the other qualities that the, the leader needed to possess in order to be effective in their work. To me, centeredness is equanimity. It's exactly mm -hmm. that. It's not being pulled off of your own center in what's required in the moment by your desire that things be different than they are. Okay. Your ideas about the way things should be, mm -hmm. your anger and frustration when they're not the way they should be, or your intense efforts to get them to turn into what you want them to be. All of that stuff pulls you off center. Mm -hmm. so equanimity is this, is this core ability to be with the present moment um, and not to be afflicted by these forms of attachment that are at the root of all of our dysfunctions. Yeah. And I think the more you practice that, the better you get at it. Um, yeah. Because you sort of recognize that it's about, it's happening and, you know, you have this attachment to something and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to remain calm. It's going to, you know, things are going to change. And I do want to get to impermanence in business and change and ups and downs. You know, there's, there's very few people that have a smooth ride every single day, you know, when, the, when you're in a business. So how does, how does impermanence help you realize that, you know, that craving is going to go away or the attachment is not permanent and things are going to change and things will get better? Yeah. Well, impermanence is both the, the source and the cure for our suffering in some ways. Right. This is actually where the, where the ignorance comes in or the consciousness comes in. Right. Because the things that we want or the things that we like, when we have them, they go away. Right. Yeah. So the impermanence of the good stuff causes us to suffer if we hold on to it. Right. But recognizing that that things are always changing mm -hmm. means that we will accept the fact that things will go. And we also will be encouraged by the fact that the bad stuff is also going to go. Yes. yes. Right. Yeah. And I think there's always like a, there's a, a fear of failure uh, for, for entrepreneurs. And this could be, you know, in your personal life too, but like, you know, you, you fear that something's not going to work out right. And you, you have this like future thought, like what if this business doesn't work? What if my marriage doesn't work? What if my kids, you know, aren't good kids or something like how do you get how do you get yourself past that fear and not worry as much about what's going to happen in the future and focus on the present moment? Well, I think the the key is to recognize that you're actually storytelling and your feelings are wrapped up in the story and the story is just a story. Right. So definitely. um craving aversion and ignorance are all working in these situations, right? We yeah. desire that the story turn out a certain way. We're afraid it's going to turn out this other way. One thing we call success, the other thing we call failure. Mm -hmm. But the, the fundamental ignorance at play is that that's just your story. It has nothing to do really with reality. It mm -hmm. has a lot to do with your desires and your fears, which are meaningful, but which are not really reality. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think that uh, the key for me personally has been recognizing when this is happening, really, and really understanding it very quickly. Like sometimes, you know, it might take me like a week and I think about something and I'm like, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, I was uh, attached to a certain outcome here and feared failure. But now uh, it's a lot quicker. So in my practice, um, recognizing it is quicker. And so talk about how the, the ability to recognize what's happening in your life that are bringing up these feelings is one of the first steps to get past it. It's, it's a kind of an, an essential part. Yeah. To get past it is, is to recognize that you're holding on to something or recognizing that you're pushing something away or recognizing that you're um, missing something. Right. And in, in the first two, in a way there's like a, you, you don't even necessarily have to consciously um, verbalize it to yourself. It, it's almost like an energy, right? If you're, you, you can feel that you're holding on to something or obsessing about something. There's like a, just an energy in your body that, that yeah. you, you kind of notice yourself sort of obsessing over something. We all know this, right? I mean, anxiety is like a, a feeling in the body that we're just spinning around and around around the same thing. Right. So, of course, it usually does come with repetitive thought patterns and repetitive mm -hmm. uh, self-talk that, that tends to happen. So uh, recognizing the feeling and then noticing yourself, you know, in these patterns um, is is essential. So then you can kind of, you know, try to counteract that. So the counteracting forces kind of take the form of the opposite. Right. So craving to counteract craving we let go. Mm -hmm. right? We've got this energy of pulling something towards us. And now the energy is going to be, well, let, let, let me let go of that. Let me just, the energy of just, okay, I'm, I'm not going to hold on to this or clutch or pull this towards me anymore. It's something that you can do within your own nervous system. Okay. Mm -hmm. it's, it's more than just uh, something you're telling yourself that you can do this. Um, letting come is the antidote to our aversion, putting away, I don't want that. I just don't want that. I, I, I resist what you're saying. I resist your presence. I am not going to deal with this thing that I call failure. I don't want it to happen. Okay. And we have a whole energetic around that aversion. So if you can shift into, okay, come, come what may, all right. I'm not going to put my energy into resisting this. I'm going to let come what may. And always it will be different than what you have made it out to be in your mind, even something like failure, mm -hmm. right? Everybody, all of us entrepreneurs have experienced that is we, we don't want to lose this contract. We don't want this business to go south. Um, and it happens. Yeah, it, it happens and it happens. And what, is it the end of the world? Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, feels bad for whatever period of time, but, you're still alive. You've learned your lessons. You get up and and you move on. So it's never as bad as our as our fears make it out to be. So that gets at the ignorance part, which is you know to really see things and allow them to be as they truly are. And this this can actually be. And and, and Buddha says that ignorance is the most difficult of these forms of attachment to work with, mm -hmm. because you kind of 
have a an emotional charge wrapped up with your cravings and your aversions, but you don't really with your ignorance, you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. for the most part. So you have to um, be be motivated in some way to uh, learn and to see and to inquire into what's going on with yourself and with your world. Right. And then when, when you do that, you, you do tend to see that things are kind of simpler than you thought they were. Yeah. <laughs> and your, your way forward tends to be rather uh, clear to you. Yeah. And all of that is, is the way to, to cultivate equanimity. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. So let go, let come, let be. This is one of your, one of your best uh, expressions. I love that. Thank you. And there's a lot of meaning behind it. So do you have any, um, any experience in your work with clients that might be relevant for something like this? Maybe an example of how you've helped someone through this? Yeah, I want to bat it over to you first, Scott. I've okay. been talking for a while. Well, you, okay. you tell me. Good point. All right, cool. Yeah, so I, I was thinking about this. And so I, um, I'm involved in venture capital and I'm in the cannabis world. And it's, to say the least, it's a wacky world, right? It's, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on and it's been struggle the last year and a half or so and it's not moving as fast as i would like and i have a bunch of different projects that if they were to move faster you know start up some are advanced businesses that are trying to have an exit and i've i've grown frustrated with the slowness or the lack of progress in the space and some of it has to do with regulation some of it has to do with the the actual businesses and so I realize that I'm attached to uh, progress. I like to move the football down the football field and get it in the end zone. And sometimes, you know, it's like two steps forward, one step back, you know, and it's really been frustrating. So I've had to, you know, with a lot of these things, I've had to kind of say, okay, you know, this one is going to take some time, you know, let me try the next project and maybe that'll go faster. And I've had to adjust my thinking of when things are going to happen. And it's not been easy because I want all of every, anything I want to get involved with, I want it to be successful. And some of these things are just taking too darn long and it just causes me anxiety. Like, why hasn't this company gone forward? Why hasn't I, I invested money seven years ago in this deal? I haven't gotten a return yet. And so I find that this is almost a daily occurrence with me whenever I check my email and I, I'm looking for good news and, you know, it's not there. I have to just get past it. And I also have to understand that some of these businesses aren't going to make it. Not, you know, when you're in venture and you have a fun, you know, if you get five out of 10, right, you're doing great, you know? And so that's kind of what I've been going through lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I could comment on a, what, when you use the, the term, get past it, it's like the, the key to working with these things is to continue to care without being attached to the outcome. Right. So we're talking about attachment and the attachment does cause suffering. And, and if you have this real, these relationships, these energetic relationships with the outcomes, um, this one, I really want this one or I really can't stomach this one. Um, that's what's that's what's causing the suffering. So that doesn't mean you don't care anymore. So getting past it, I, I, what you I think mean by that is to 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 neutralize the this kind of need for it to be that way. Okay. That's what it really is, but you, you can still care. And that, that actually takes some self 
you know, work, if you will, yeah. is a real a good understanding of yourself. And it, it's a, it's a maturation process. I guess I'd put it that way. It's a maturation process to learn how to continue to care really deeply um, while not being attached to the outcome. Yeah. And I think that um, I, it's re- literally every day, you know, and I, I like meditation for this purpose too, because sometimes like I'll, I'll sit down and meditate and I'll, I'll go through stuff, you know, that's going on and I'll, I'll work through that in my head. Like, okay, you know, this project is stalled out, but you know what? I I'm still going to try. I'm going to take that phone call today, but it might not go great today. It's okay. That's fine. You know, there's something else that's going to happen. And so, you know, I think that, um, the more that I've gone through this, the better I am of dealing with it. Um, but I don't like it. sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you, you, you end up liking it because you have freedom, yeah. right? You, you, you're gonna, you, you'll continue to suffer as long as you need things to be a certain way. Cause the world just doesn't work according to our whims and desires. So you'll continue to suffer. And then when you, you know, when you can face a, a really big setback, um, you know, I, I had, I have a coaching client now who, you know, just found out he just a $30,000 investment just went to zero because of an international sanction, you know, something completely out of outside of his control. And, uh, you know, it just like threw him for a loop for a day, but then he, then he realized that he could practice with this and just completely let it go. Mm -hmm. Put the stock certificate in a drawer, say, I'll, I'll revisit it in seven or 10 years and whatever happens happens. And the freedom that comes from that, when you, when you're able to face a setback that, used to throw you for a loop for weeks or months or more and then you can you can just get over it in a day and now hey guess what the sun's shining again my my child is happy and my dinner tastes great (laughs) um that's that's an incredible freedom you know to be alive yeah yeah and you know i also just want to bring up something you know personal too um because you know we talked about we met during covid and I was home a lot and, and I was, uh, I wasn't able to see my friends a lot. I wasn't able to go out to restaurants and bars and things like that. And I, I was craving those things, but I also started studying more and practicing and reading and working with you. And I realized that, yes, I missed those things. And, and I, I couldn't really, you know, I was worried about health related issues, but I had other things to keep me, you know, I had other things that carried me through the day. You know, and I learned and I grew as an individual. And I think one thing that re- really valuable was, you know, use the time that you have to better yourself and to learn these things and to practice. And then when something else happens down the road, you'll be better prepared to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where the the ignorance comes in when you really are motivated to learn about yourself and how you're operating it it makes it so much easier for you to uh, get out of your own way. <laughs> yes. I'm, I need to get out of my own way sometimes for sure. Um, so Paul, talk to me about like with, with the, the, the second noble truth, we we're going to lead into the third one in our next episode, but you know, we know that once we recognize what's happening, we know there's a way out of it. And so how do we take that leap from, you know, we've identified the suffering and we've identified the cause you know, what's next in our, our, our evolution here? Yeah, well, well, the um, model is, you know, diagnosis, prescription, cure, right? But as we talked about, I think in the last episode, 
in the four noble truths go prescription or sorry diagnosis and then cure and then here's the prescription and you just keep following the prescription um until you um get better 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 but that's an, end, an end, endless process so we're, we're never cured from you know death never cured from impermanence those are things that we never uh can escape but we can you know continue to relieve the suffering that we create mm -hmm. for ourselves when we um aren't in accord you know with that impermanence so the 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 buddha you know identified what he called the eightfold path as as the way to treat uh this uh condition we have the the, the these tendencies towards attachment mm -hmm. that we all have and there's just ways of living our lives and uh holding our minds in relation to the world mm -hmm. that um really help help us uh you know work with these tendencies that we have I like the medical, the doctor analogy, because I do, I know, like, and I'm sure everybody knows this, you know, when something's wrong with you, uh, and the first day you realize something and you don't know what it is, you don't know what's causing a pain or, or a headache or whatever, there's a lot of fear involved and you're really yeah. worried about it and yeah. you don't know what's happening. And then you call the doctor and you make an appointment and then you get an x-ray or you get a consultation and then they say, okay, this is what's going on. And that you always feel a little bit better just knowing what's going on. Okay. And then the doctor says, I'm going to give you a prescription. I'm going to do surgery and I'm going to make you feel better. And so that, that whole process, you know, is, is, uh, you feel better as you go along, but in the beginning, there's a lot of the unknown. So the more that you know about what's happening, and this is your, your physical health, your mental health, the health of your business, the health of your marriage, your, you know, your children and so on, it kind of goes across all of those things, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I love that recognition, Scott. It's we we do call the the Dharma, the teachings here a refuge. And that's what it gives you. It almost uh, allows your nervous system to relax into the truth of this condition that we all face as humans and this wisdom that there's a way to actually meet it and and treat it. And th that's that's profound. It's a it's a profound you know shift in your life when you can uh, just learn learn these you know techniques or this reality or this truth you know the, we call them the truths, uh, whatever perspectives you know however you want to take them in and uh, understand them and then start to experience them. It's it's a great it's a great blessing. Yeah, it really is, and it's it is it is a comforting feeling too that knowing that. You know, I, I've identified something that's going on and I, I, I know the steps to get past it and, and move forward and so on. So it is a very powerful tool, you know, and again, it takes practice and it takes learning and studying. And then you you get to the point where it's almost second nature, Yeah. where something happens and you're like, oh, you know, that's because I was attached to this outcome. So I'm just going to I'm going to get rid of that and I'm going to feel better. And it works. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. The more and more we get in our own ways and the more and more we notice it, then the more it's like, oh, there we go. That's what I was doing. Right. And the time, the, the time between getting upset about something to feeling better about it is much shorter. Much you know, shorter. I, I remember early in my career, things would happen in business and I would stew over it for weeks. I would, uh, you know, I, I didn't uh, verbalize it a lot and I didn't deal with it. And so things would bother me for a long time. And then I realized like letting go 
letting be, you know, that's really how to get, to get over it. And so that's something I've gotten a lot better at. And yeah. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say, you know, learning business skills, what people call business skills is, is very helpful in being a business person or being an entrepreneur, but learning about yourself is 10 times more important and more powerful. If you really understand how you're operating, then you can follow any playbook you want with greater ease and, and, uh, effectiveness. Yeah. And one, one other thought on that is when you're a, an entrepreneur, a leader of a company, you, not only the, the more you learn about yourself, like you just said, but that also helps you with everybody that you work with too. And really identifying, you know, their suffering, like what's, the, what, what's going on in their life that's craving attachment and it's your employees, it's your partners, your investors, your vendors, you know, and, and so it kind of like feeds itself. Once you're better at it as a leader, then you can deal with all these other stakeholders in your company. It's, a, it's exactly true. It's you, you only see in other people the, the depth with which you see yourself. So, you know, unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of people who are not very reflective and maybe, maybe just consider themselves to be, you know, just driven by shallow, you know, motives think everybody's driven by shallow motives because <laughs> that's just how we see the world. Um, but those who look inside and they say, oh, I've, I've got this sort of complicated mix of emotions and drives going on. And I also have the ability to overcome them. You see that in other people, too. So you, you, you hear that and you see that. And sometimes you can even understand other people at a deeper level than they understand your, themselves. Yes when you understand yourself at a deep level. And that becomes a real, a real boon in, um, in business because you can, um, you know, meet partners at a very deep level of authenticity. Um, you can, you can really just connect with people compassionately understanding, you know, where, where they're coming from. So it's, it's always, it's always a benefit. Yeah. By the way, you only see other people, how you see the depth in yourself. That's great. That's a good nugget there from Paul. Thank you, Sensei Paul. Awesome. Um, cool. And so, yeah, we're gonna um, we're gonna close out our episode uh, with our usual uh, first the resources. Um, I found a good book by the Dalai Lama uh, called "The Four Noble Truths," and I recommend that book. And I think that the more you read about these noble truths, the more that's how I started to bring it into my own life. So I really uh, read in depth. You know these these truths and that really helped me understand myself so I could help other people. So I recommend that book highly. And um, Paul, if you got a good meditation for us, uh, let's go for it. Okay. So my meditation for this one is, uh, is, has three parts. It's let go, let come, let be. So it's the, the energetics that we talked about in this episode. And I'll go ahead and, and just give a little guidance into these three parts. Um, instead of, you know, spending a lot of time with each one, if you want to spend time, you know, you can go ahead and pause the video and then start it up again when you're ready. But the first one would be a, um, a let come meditation. So everybody can start by having an alert posture, a relaxed and alert posture in your seat. Close your eyes. And we'll start with uh, we'll start with letting go. <clears throat> so start by clenching your fists, clenching your hands, 
and just really, really hold it tight, really squeeze, squeeze it tight. Okay, it, e it even hurts, okay? It's painful to squeeze your fingers so tight. And now on an exhale, relax your fingers. Let go. Okay, you can do this as many times as you like. <clears throat> the let come meditation is to start with, we're going to have the energy of pushing away. So bring your hands up. Uh, you can open your eyes and look at me. If you're listening to this on audio, I'm holding my palms up by my face, facing outwards, and I'm pushing away, push away, push your hands away. Stay away, stay away. Okay. And now turn the palms facing your face and wave your hands. Come, let come, let come. Okay, how much more relaxing, how much more easeful, how much more of a flow when you just allow to come what wants to come. And then for the third part, we're just going to recognize what is. So for this one, I'm going to have you open your eyes and letting be in your consciousness what is in present in your awareness. Open your eyes, hold your palms open, facing up and cast your gaze around your room and notice what's present. Okay, so those are three short exercises that yeah. can evoke this energy. Excellent, excellent. I'm going to I'm going to remember that next time I have a a difficult work situation, which may be tomorrow. <laughs> so uh, thank you very much, Paul. This is a great episode. Uh, our next episode, we will go into the third and, and the fourth noble truth um, and really figure out how to get past and, and get out of all this. So, um, <laughs> thank you, Paul. Uh, check out our show notes for links to Paul's coaching and sign up for a discovery session and also subscribe to the newsletter and download this wherever you can find your podcasts. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, Scott. I've enjoyed it. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on this exploration into Zen Buddhism and its transformative influence on work and life. We hope you'll subscribe, share, and comment wherever you get your podcasts. May your journey be one of continuous growth and mindful living. From all of us here at Game of Zen, wishing you peace and prosperity on your path ahead. <laughs>